says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of The Tip Sheet. I'm your host John, also known as 4020. Joining me as always is my good mate 60s. Very, very busy week for the Blue and Gold this week, mate, but a lot to talk about, a lot of positive things to talk about. Mate, so much to talk about. I don't know about you, but almost feel like Monday is a bit of respite from uh, a tense weekend of football, especially the NRLW, the edge of the seat finish that they uh, put us through yesterday. Um Almost needed Monday as re- as recovery, the recovery day, day for fans. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah. the the men and women of the Eels obviously getting the day off today, um, and obviously the boys playing on Saturday. But um, they'd be having the Monday off too. And then yeah, as fans, so those those heart palpitations and all the you know other things we you get up to, and you always need that day off just to reset. So yeah, no manic Monday here for us. But we're going to talk about a bit of footy. You mentioned that heart stopper in the NRLW, mate, and we. Had a bit of history happening there. What a, what a way to kick off the 2021 belated campaign in season 2022, obviously. But uh, Parramatta Eels 13 prevailing over the Newcastle Knights in the dying seconds, let alone minutes, uh, with a Matty Studden field goal, the first ever recorded field goal in the NRLW since its inception. So a lovely piece of history there for Matty and the Parramatta Eels. It was going to be history one way or the other, though, because it was going to be golden point or a field goal. And, uh, you know, one way or another, history was going to be made for the competition. And thankfully for the Eels, they made it positively with that one-point win. Uh, in terms of the scoreboard 60s, for the Knights, it was their captain, Romy Teitzel, sorry, uh, that opened the scoring, followed by Phoebe Desmond, who had that devastating run that ended up knocking out uh, Paul, uh, Paul Aiton. It makes it sound like I said Paul Aiton, who was actually... <laughs> uh, so, Paul Aiton, uh, Therese Aiton there, who uh, copped a thundering blow to her cheekbone. We'll get to that later. Uh, and they had two different goal kickers, uh, Shante Poco and Kira Dib, both successfully kicking uh, try conversions. And for the Eels, Tiani Panatani started our scoring, and it was the captain, Samima Taufa, who crossed the level of scores. Uh, superb game from the captain. We'll talk about that. Matty Studden, flaws off the tee. Uh, crucial in a game like this, and obviously adding that 69th-minute field goal. Player stats, 60s, the, the big producers, no surprises really at fullback. Batil Vetti Welsh was outstanding. I think she had 181 metres on the ground, unless it's been uh, it's been rounded down slightly on Monday, 178 metres. Uh, a, a fantastic line break, a try assist for that opening try. Uh, in the centres, we had Tiani Penatani being very productive, 134 metres on the wing. Tyna Navidi uh, showed some real flash and, and electric acceleration, make a line break of her own. And then in the forward pack, Samaya Matalfa leading the way, the captain front and centre, 19 carries, 173 metres, and then she was down for 44 tackles with just the one missed on top of scoring that try. What a captain's knock. But yeah, there were contributors all across the park for the Eels, mate. And off the bench, there were a couple of girls that caught your eye um, in the starting pack, even though some of the numbers weren't amazing. It, like on the raw aspect of it, I thought players like Jade Everton had a really nice debut for the club, and they showed that they got a bit of promise in the weeks to come. Yeah, mate, it's... Um what a great way for them to start. Given the 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 record that we have at NRL level with Golden Point games or being able to ice a match before it gets into Golden Point, I thought it was uh, great to see the girls stay composed for that field goal. 
and uh, not have to get into Golden Point, although I'm sure that they would have got the job done even if it had gone to Golden Point. Um, just looking at the match as a whole, it seemed like the majority of the opportunities there were ours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we left four or five tries uh, on the, the cutting block there just by a lack of polish or finish at times, whether it was uh, Tiani Penatani <laughs> sort of sort of getting ahead of Rikia Horn and creating an obstruction out of nowhere in the corner. Um, we had uh, uh, Tamai Kelly signs probably a bit harshly done for on a double movement there. Often often you see them allowed to fight through the tackle like that. Um, and then there was a couple of other opportunities too that were squandered. And yeah, it, it sort of reflected the game where there was a lot of really quality football but you could tell it was the first game of a of an adjusted season where they weren't you know expecting to play at this time in a normal season because uh, it had the a lot of the vibes of a preseason trial at times. Uh, both teams struggled for completion rates. Uh, the Eels at just sixty three percent versus Newcastle seventy percent, uh, which you know we know the metric for a lot of coaches is around eighty percent, which is where they consider to be a strong performance for the team. But yeah, I thought in spite of that, it was a high quality affair, especially for two expansion teams. Newcastle showed up and played a really, really good brand of football. Yeah, look, you've you've probably stolen my thunder a little <laughs> bit there in, in describing it as as a trial match because in reality, and and people need to consider this, the NRLW don't get to play trial matches, so they have a shortened preseason, and in this case, the girls have come together from other clubs. It's, yeah, the, it's not an like unprecedented level of expansion in the competition. This is, uh, you know, a shake-up that we're probably not going to ever see again for the NRLW. They're going to add teams, but they're not going to be having one team out, three teams in, in a given year. Well, that's right. It was So th- these girls have had to, I suppose, form combinations that, although they may have been familiar with each other through rep teams or, or some that have come from the same franchise... It's a whole new combination. It's a way of that Dean Witters has wants his team to play that might be completely different to what they are used to before. So to get a match like that with the number of errors and then, as you mentioned, the Penitani, um where she was literally running like an NFL blocker. <laughs> yeah, the tight end or the fullback getting in front of the running back there. <laughs> well, it was quite extraordinary because, if anything, she seemed to accelerate after she passed the ball. <laughs> and she had a fantastic game outside of that, Tiana, but that was just a, one of those moments that they're going to have a look at on film and just laugh about, I feel like. Well, the, I mean, obviously, um, she's, um, she's going to have to owe... Uh, Oh, a be- beverage of choice, 100%. Yeah, that was the opening try of the season for the Hills. It just went <laughs> instead. Um, yeah, and poor Rakia uh, couldn't cross the line after that. So, yeah, uh, definitely owes her, her winger a drink there. Well, Rakia did her best to make it, uh, to negate the uh, obstruction that was yeah, there. When yeah. she, she sort of pulled up and almost allowed the opposition a chance to attack her. Shot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but there, there was just no way of of avoiding the fact that that was going to be an obstruction call. In fact, I was a little bit surprised that it went through to being picked up by the uh, video ref rather than just being picked up straight away well, as an obstruction. Yeah, but, exactly. But there's a few things. There's a few things one, that was one of the few things. Them. One of the few things yeah. the officials did get right in either, on that day uh, in a rather insipid performance for the match officials, which we're not going to talk about because uh, it's just going to cause blood pressure to rise needlessly. The Eels were good enough to get the win. But I mentioned her in the start 60s 
Uh, and you, this is a play that you've actually called out uh, as a key recruit for the club throughout that preseason process, and that is the captain, Samima Taufa. And she was billed as an inspirational figure for the team coming from her time at the Roosters. And in the commentary on Fox Sports, I was talking about how she's, I think she shed almost double-digit kilos to get into her best playing shape ever. She squats two and a half, two and a half times her body weight, which puts her in an elite bracket. I think it's like 188 kilos or something like that, which is just ridiculous. And that showed up on the field yesterday. She was just a, a tour de force on both sides of the ball. And yeah, just a, a rallying figure for all the girls and all the women in that team. Absolutely. When you're looking at a captain delivering the type of performance that she did yesterday, and you mentioned about the work on both sides of the game, the the attack, the defence, I mean, to be up there with those sorts of running metres and then to double it down with the, the what was it, 44 44 tackles, tackles one yeah. missed, zero ineffective. What a titanic effort. Yeah, and uh, if ever there was a, a player that deserved to get across the stripe for in the first game to to get a try there it it was her and um we've seen plenty of footage of her leading the enthusiasm and the um the rallying cries around the team uh, on social media but I, i i was fortunate enough to see her talk to the group at a training session um both during the session and after the session, and to say that she's an inspirational leader, uh, that's certainly one aspect of of who she is. But secondly, she is just... um, She's a very good communicator. She just gets that message across without complication and in a way that encourages the girls to... um, I suppose back themselves, mm-hmm. and and that was that was something that that stood out, and you you could just see from the Parramatta game yesterday that they weren't going away. There was there would have been lots of nerves as there would have been for the Newcastle team. I won't, let's not put that aside. But this was this was a must win first up match in a season that only lasts for five regular rounds. You've got one of the new franchises coming up against the other new franchise. You know that. Uh, Brisbane are the benchmark, so you've you've got to, you know, you you may be thinking, well, I've got to get a win against at least one, or if not both, of the other yeah, new franchises. Exactly. Um, then you you're talking about the the Roosters and the Dragons, who have been around for the uh, duration of the NRLW since it started, albeit with um, changed squads, but you've still got some consistency there within the squad and with the, within the setup. So they've got a little bit of an advantage. So to get a win first up against the other new franchise was absolutely critical for the girls. And they got it done. And they got it done in what you'd call a hostile environment. Yeah, away it was, from a, it was a, a vocal Newcastle crowd. It was testing conditions. There was a driving wind. I mean, Maddie Studden had a kick to level the game from just the left of the post. And she just could not get the ball to sit on the tee, and she ended well, up having I to get. Well, I had great concerns about what was going to happen there. I had her coming in and the ball. Yeah, and then striking it as a fellow skew. Yep. But and, you, and we saw how critical it was for that goal to be kicked when we had the the scores locked up pretty much for the rest of the match. Correct. So, 
um, yeah, it was it was such an important win to get first up. We mentioned about the um, the fact that they got the hostile crowd there. They they faced they had a game where a lot of decisions didn't go their way, where they got across the line and they had the they had the disappointment of having having the tries taken away after after getting across the line. Uh, yeah, so a lot that could have gone wrong for them, uh, that could have gone wrong psychologically as a result of that. But the girls held strong and, um, yeah, really pleased for the way that Maddie Studden iced that field goal towards and the end. Because the, the, the kick itself wasn't overly difficult. It was in a pretty favourable position in care of the, the play being held up for that uh, no-try referral. But if you have a chance to look at it and you didn't catch it live... The pass was not like in an ideal spot. She had to reach out to her left and grab it off balance. And she plucks it out of the air and corrects herself immediately getting into her correct motion for field goal and not losing her rhythm. It's a it's a fair kick. Like in terms of being the first field goal ever for the NRLW, she did a pretty good job of icing it. Um, so yeah, had the, the ice in her veins there. And just across the team, there's a couple of you know, uh, women I want to shout out who I thought had really nice games. I know Batil Vetti Welsh deserve gets a lot of the plaudits in the spine, but that was a real eye-opening game from Serena Naitoka Toka, who uh, was an absolute live wire with the ball every t- like every time she had a possession. And late in the game, fatigue and some uh, you know sort of ordinary passes that came away caused a few errors, but she looked very dangerous, and I think she's going to be an absolute uh, you know sort of weapon for the Eels down that edge um, once she starts linking up with Botil Vetti Welsh. And then at dummy half, we gave her some shout-outs in the pre-game coverage 60s, but Nita Maynard, uh, very crafty, very wily. The numbers aren't huge, just the 49 metres from eight runs, but you could see that her timings were really good jumping out of dummy half, and against teams where they start getting a little bit lax around the ruck, I think she's going to open up a game or two this year. And then looking at the bench, uh, a couple of really good contr- uh, contributions, sorry, from uh, Shirley Mailangi and Philomena Hanisi, both of who gave us a lot of up-tempo play from the interchange there. And then it probably remiss me not to uh, give an unfortunate shout-out to Therese Aitwan, who we did mention at the start, but uh, that head knock uh, led to an absolutely legendary shiner on her left cheek there. And I, we haven't got any confirmation yet whether there's been any structural damage in terms of a orbital fracture of the cheekbone or anything like that. But I hope there isn't anything serious there so she can get back on the field. Um, she was smiles on the bench, but geez, uh, that, it was almost cartoonish 60s how, how big that shiner was. And, you know, just like awful. Like, geez, that's going to be painful today. Really emphasised how tough these girls yeah, are. Yeah, 100%. Now, I, I want to give a, a shout out to uh, Mina Hanisi, who uh, both uh, Mina and her sister are part of the Eels squad. And just happened to be former students at uh, the school that I taught at for nearly a quarter of a century. They're, I've been used to uh, some former students coming through the pathways. On the, on the junior reps for the, the boys and the mats and yeah. the ball, yep. Yeah, and even getting through to the, the graded level. Uh, most notably, we had um, uh, Zach uh, Docker-Clay mm-hmm. and uh, Kalepi Tunganoa, who... Um, uh, got through to full-time squad levels with uh, their careers. But to see uh, the girls now start to uh, make their own path, it's uh, it's fantastic. And and I really thought that uh, Mina was um, really impressive off the bench. Her, her carries were particularly strong and um, there was a really tough call where she was a judge to have lost the ball in 
uh, the contact where the tackler was deemed to have not <laughs> been playing at the ball. If that yeah. were uh, with a, with a, a pretty a pretty clear raking motion, if I'm going to be perfectly honest. Uh, <laughs> I, I, if you if you compared that to the the little minor touch where um, the Eels were penalised for causing the loss of possession in the tackle, and you you know to me one was blatant. I, I had I didn't have complaints about Parramatta being penalised because I thought, look, your hand's in there. That you've, yeah, you've exactly. Consequence. But what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? Absolutely. And and that was a raking motion at the ball, if ever I've seen one. But, yeah, okay, let, we're, we're going to go back to putting any of the comments about officialdom to the side because you, we want to focus on... You can understand a, why Philomena was so adamant to go to the captain's challenge because oh, she had 100%. a strong grip on the ball and knew that it would have taken an actual raking motion to prize it out. Because um, she she had the dominant carry falling forwards as well there, so yeah, no, that's certainly no uh, uh, besmirk on her record from that game. She provided provided a lot of impetus off the bench, and that that was probably one of the big question marks for the team is that we knew that they had a great starting pack. Obviously, you're talking about the captain Samaya Taufa, talking about big Tamai Kelly Signs and Kennedy Charrington, who was used in an interesting interesting waves game. We'll talk about that shortly. But from the bench, uh, Philomena Hanisi and and Shelley Malangi really gave us that uptick in momentum to allow us to keep us in that game when the fatigue started to kick in. So really well done to those two ladies and uh, looking forward to how that rotation starts to grow as everyone sort of uh, blossoms into, uh, you know, greater responsibilities and greater understanding of the responsibilities in this team. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, we want to emphasise that it, this was literally like a trial game and, it, and it's been one of those problems that the NRLW has faced where before they were only getting three matches and if you didn't come out ready for that if you, first if you match, blinked you missed the fight yeah you, you, you. That, yeah that's it now for for all of the teams it's probably you know it's these first two games you want to get a win on the board in these first two games you don't want to be going into the last three matches in the regular rounds winless and as I said thankfully Parramatta got the job done first up and um, it's it makes it takes a little bit of the pressure off. Not not certainly nowhere near all of it, but it does take some pressure off to get that first win on the board. Yeah, and I mentioned Kennedy Charrington sixties started in the middle, but ended up playing a bit of uh, a fair bit of the game out on the edge. So I don't know if that was a, a forced uh, sort of hand out of Dean Witters or that was an actual gambit. Um, so offensively, her numbers were probably a lot below what we were expecting, given that we know she's got a huge engine and, and loves tearing in. So she only had 61 metres off the seven carries. But uh, to her credit, you know, between spending time in the middle and on the edge, so a pretty tough defensive assignment, she managed to get out 33 tackles, zero missed, and just one ineffective. So uh, playing the full 70 minutes there, one of three forwards alongside her captain and the edge forward, Jade Everton, to do so. So a fair shout there for one of our core players. And, yeah, just on the general, love the the brand of football that Dean Witters has these ladies playing and didn't quite come off at the final gasp for, like, those four or five uh, occasions that we mentioned earlier. But this is a team that can ball out. They can play really good football. They can play tough football as well. Um, if they can just fine-tune those, you know, those last touches, if they can just uh, make sure that they keep Bertil Vetti Welsh involved in the second half of games... And if they can just, you know, and this is a function of having no trials, just yeah, get that last bit of match fitness uh, under their belts, they're going to be a real, real scary team this year. Yeah, absolutely. And 
it's one of those things where you mentioned it in the preview that there's a learning process for us as supporters getting to know the the uh, the players within the team and um, the idiosyncrasies of of the players, their strengths, their weaknesses, and it's very much that same similar sort of learning process for them and and even for uh, the coaching staff as well to to work out what is the best possible combinations. He's mm. it's, it's all been done internally thus far and now he's the coaches are getting to to judge the team and the individual performances against opposition players and I, I think it's going to be interesting to see whether Dean Witters approaches it from uh, you know this is his 17 that he prefers to stay with or whether there's going to be others within the squad that are going to get a taste of NRLW in these early rounds with a view to um, if he needs them, if he needs to tweak the team come finals time, that he's got, he's a little bit more informed about what they can do. Yes, sir. And yeah, so that 1-0 start sets us up for a clash with another team that ended uh, ended round one with a win in the St. George Laura Dragons. But we'll do that breakdown in the second podcast this week, mate, because we're going to go with a doubleheader of our own, uh, splitting the content into two and this particular week, because we've got a lot to cover. So, yeah, this will be the review podcast for those that are listening, and the following one will obviously be the preview podcast for uh, round two of the NRL, the uh, sorry, round two of the NRLW, uh, the next round, the junior reps, and then uh, I suppose uh, any NRL news that comes out, because we're going to have the week off there. But speaking of the NRL, mate, let's jump back one more day. So the NRLW obviously kicked off on Sunday, but on 5 o'clock preceding that Saturday evening, Eels travelled out the Penrith for the uh, customary pre-season battle of the West because there is a regular season one as well. Um, this has been a, a long-term fixture now playing out at Penrith all three grades uh, as the final tune-up ahead of the NRL. And it's been one that's been very profitable for both teams in recent years given how strong Penrith have been across all three grades. And for the Eels who have been ascending in the flag and the Cup in particular as well as a, a rising NRL team, it's been a great litmus test for our three squads. Um, we'll, we'll talk NRL first and then just jump quickly into the flag and cup after, mate. But in terms of the NRL, uh, you, you don't want to take too much away from a trial result, but you don't get much more comprehensive than a 36-0 blot out of the reigning premiers, albeit without four or five of their key players in Nathan Cleary, uh, Dylan Edwards, Isaiah Yo, their captain, uh, James Fisher-Harris, and I think the other prop, Spencer Lennier, was out too. So that, that's some serious firepower on the sidelines and no doubt uh, completely you know, pivots the context of the game that they're playing. But... To Parramatta's credit, in absolutely horrid conditions, they played some of the best wet weather football you're going to see. That 36-0 came on the back of tries that Zaya Papali'i for an early contender for try of the year in a, in a preseason game of all things. Uh, Sean Russell, Makahesi Makatoa, who got a double the big man, Mount Krakatoa unleashing. And then Dylan Brown and Reed Marnie rounding out the six tries. Mitchell Moses going five from five in his um, first five attempts and Jordan Rankin adding the six conversion uh, Bryce Cartwright did get to spend some time, or was, sorry, did, didn't spend time in the semi because of the trial, but would have in a normal game due to a rather errant shoulder charge. In terms of the team stats, 60s, uh, Parramatta, we talked about that 80% threshold, 82% completion rate, 38 from 46. Penrith also quite effective in the rain, which uh, was what made it such a high-quality contest for that opening 20 or 30 minutes. Uh, they were 27 and 35 for that 77% figure. Uh, Eels had an all-key attacking stat, six line breaks to one. Uh, 1850 running metres to uh, just under 1,300 uh, ahead and post contacts. 
better set distance on average, better kick return meters, all those key indicators in attack going Parramatta's way. Uh, they were tidier diffusing the ball, which is always important. Uh, effective tackle rate was uh, over five points higher than Penrith, 90.67 for the Eels, 85.09 for Penrith. Uh, discipline was pretty good for Parramatta uh, in general. Penalties did go Penrith's way a bit, but I felt in, in the sort of important parts of the game, they had a real good grip on that. Uh, individual players, well, there's, there's a lot to break down there. We, we, we got good minutes into a lot of our key players because uh, they were, you know, a lot of them were rested against that uh, St. George team last week, sorry. Uh, but we had 100, over 100 metres for Gufferson, Bailey Simonson, Dylan Brown, uh, Reg. Sean Lane, who had another strong game. Uh, and then in the back row, you had Madison as well going over 100. Off the bench, both props, Makatoa and Kafusi going over 100. Uh, just big production across the park. Really nice ball movement in the conditions. Uh, we didn't reveal too much, but there was some really nice execution of the plays that we did have. Uh, this is, I mean, this is a game. You could go through 1, one to 17, obviously, but then go deep into the reserves and have a lot to say and a lot to wax lyrical about. Mate, I have a confession to make. On on the inside, as I was sitting there in the stands at Penrith Park, Dr. Evil was well and truly alive and enjoying the whole process, the whole evening, because there's something about Penrith supporters that brings – I won't say that it brings out my worst, but it, 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 brings, it brings out the – my nasty side. If I don't, I won't show it verbally or <laughs> in my actions, but I was just sitting there from the time that they started with the, uh, the stand up flags up, which they have to get their crowd going. And obviously we were in the, the stands at Penrith park. So there's plenty of stand up flags up that was going on around us and, and uh, great confidence in what was about to unfold. The silence that happened for the majority of the game, except for when they were whinging about refereeing decisions. Uh, yes, let me repeat. Penrith supporters were whinging about refereeing decisions. <laughs> so apart from moments like that and reminding us how many players that they had out um, over and over and over again, um, I'm sitting there just loving the silence. I, you know, I'm, I don't rub it in. I, so maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not too nasty. I've, I've kept that Doctor Evil bottled within me. He's he's enjoying the whole process. He's he's not coming out to let the Penrith supporters know what he thinks. You've got the the, the little caricature Lucifer on your shoulder though, just whispering to you, just unleash, just tell him. Yeah, oh, it, it's there, and and um, I was enjoying every moment, as I said, of the stunned silence of the Penrith Park crowd that was there and I know it means nothing in, in in the context virtually of everything um getting a win over over the Penrith team who who had um the, as you've acknowledged those players who were out but to get a 36 to nil romp under those circumstances it's a statement of intent isn't it uh it is a genuine statement of intent and I don't read too much into that about our season prospects what I read into that is the players who have now enjoyed a very good preseason have got themselves into um, a good place, either physically, mentally, uh, in terms of their combinations with the players around them, whatever the case may be, they're in a good place coming into the start of the competition. 
look, we've been there before and seen a, a, a great preseason game back in 2018 when uh, Parramatta dismantled the Knights up at Maitland, and uh, we then had to witness the abomination that was the 2018 season. However, there is a genuine um, difference about the way this team seems hungry for 2022. And maybe there was, maybe that was the intangible in the, in the match, a hunger. There was a hunger that the that the players wanted to make a statement against Penrith in the trial, and as it, again I repeat, it, it was you know the the match itself meant nothing, but maybe it meant something for the players. Maybe oh, it, it, it. I think the the way they defended and the way they you know obviously thirty six points is a fantastic amount to score on any good team, but the fact that you held Penrith out to zero in a trial. Well, where Penrith have taken it pretty seriously in, in years past, right? They've played some really good football in this contest. Um, that, that, like I said, is a statement of intent, and it shows perhaps this is the standard they want to hold themselves to against benchmark teams like the Panthers, who, who they are the benchmark. They're the reigning premiers. They've got the target on their back. Uh, but, yeah, really, really good all-around team performance. Um, one thing I do want to say is that misfortune can breed opportunity 60s, and we saw that in this game. Uh, obviously, a lot was said about Hayes Dunster and his incredibly unfortunate injury against the Dragons. But Sean Russell had the door open for him, and I thought he played really well. I thought he stepped right through that door, waving the invitation high in his hand, and made it virtually, well, close to impossible for BA to consider any other alternative than playing him in the first round. Mm-hmm. Now... Maybe it's a long season and and uh, Sean doesn't retain the spot for a lengthy period of time because of the fact that he is uh, young and he's a rookie and maybe there will be rookie mistakes that, that come his way. But he couldn't have done anything more than what he did. I thought he played with composure. I thought he played with intelligence. It seemed like any time that he had to make a call about about which way to move in defence, which way to to carry the ball, getting away from the sideline, or or getting down low and sliding in for that try. Every every call seemed to be the right one. Now I did pick up on the ground mics when I was watching the replay that there was um, sounded a lot like Wonga Blake was making a lot of calls in terms of giving him um, a bit of advice and and. And uh, senior, uh, senior knowledge um, in in what was happening out on that side, and if so, then that's a great thing because mm-hmm. it means uh, Wonga has stepped up to the plate in terms of being the senior player out on that edge. And much like I'd commented on in the preseason training reports, that combination with uh, with Wonga and Hayes Dunster had looked really, really good. Just it, it, Not only was Wong in fine form as a centre, but just the, the way the two of them seemed to have this great understanding in where to be in both attack and defence, and it just stood out during the pre-season opposed sessions. Yeah. And I think it's it, we got a bit of an evidence of maybe the role that Wonga had played in that uh, via that um, the, the Mike 
that was picking up those uh, those calls mm-hmm. in the uh, in the match. Yeah, Wang is first proper preseason since he's actually joined the club. He's been here for a long time now, but I think he's had a busted shoulder, a busted knee, and an ankle or a calf. Uh, he he's been in the wars at the end of the seasons, and this is the first time he's had the full preseason ready to go. And he looks primed. He looks ready to consolidate on that incredible end to the season last year that he had. Um, and the fact that he's taken Sean Russell immediately under his wing there and, and is guiding him against uh, a team as good as the Penrith Panthers is fantastic to hear. The bloke running the other sideline did a pretty good job too, 60s. I know Bailey Simonson had a bit of a quiet uh, debut, I suppose, in the preseason against the Dragons last week. But against uh, Penrith, he, he had to deal with some big hits. They lined him up a couple of times, but he still banged out over 100 metres. And there was nothing flashy about the game uh, for him, but he was doing everything that was asked of him. I think one thing that we're going to find with Bailey is that as he becomes used to the Eels systems, that he's going to be better for every run that he has out there. So um, it was an encouraging start, and I'm I'm looking forward to... Well, I'm thinking about backing him for being one of the top try scorers this year, especially playing yeah, outside. We do love Look. to spotlight our, our wingers for sure, yeah. Then again, there are people who aren't really keen on me putting my things <laughs> to do with hey, Parramatta. You're, you're, you're allowed to suggest that he might be the top try scorer. If you put money on it, I'm going to have to kneecap you, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but yes. out in the back line, continuing with that uh, line of thought, Will Penasini, how strong is this kid, mate? Uh, there, there were times where Penrith got him in the red zone, on our red zone, coming out with two, three, four defenders, and they couldn't drive him backwards. He, he pushed him forwards. He is an absolute ball of muscle, and I am so excited to see what he can do in 2022. And I know that pretty much every Parramatta fan is excited to see how far and how high Will can go this year, given how talented he is. So we don't need to waste too much time talking about him because we'll just go in circles. But in regards to that game, 60s, who caught your eye outside of the uh, outside of the outside back? Sorry for that bit of a mouthful there. Mate, it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's, really difficult to pinpoint who impressed the most because there were so many good performances right across the park. You couldn't go past the work of the halves for a start. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Mitch Moses basically picked up with this form that he had in uh, last season that, that got him origin selection and also the way that he finished off the year. So I think he's just picked up where he's that, finished off. That forty twenty was a sight. That was something special. Yeah, and Dylan Brown had what was easily his most involved in attacking game in some in some time. Mm-hmm. Um, he just I said before in preseason reports that I believe that he's primed for a big season. I think we're going to see his best year ever in twenty twenty two. He just looks like he's focused ready to you know ready to take on that responsibilities of um generating something in attack that you you're looking for from their from your halves um now it may well be that uh the should i say the presence of Jake Arthur or or maybe that little bit of pressure from Jake Arthur doesn't hurt the halves because Jake has announced himself as being, if he's not NRL ready, he's very close to it. And he has been my pick for the standout of the preseason. So um, what better way to respond than your 
your incumbent halves having a day out in that trial. And uh, both of them were outstanding. And again, continuing with the spine, you can't ignore the contributions of Gutho and Reed Marnie. And the Reed Marnie one is, is I think, most important because maybe it might go some way to allaying any, any concerns supporters might have that his last season in Parramatta Colours is going to be anything less than his yeah, best. And that, that you know, fans always have those concerns and, and to some degree it is understandable, but Reed was never going to be a player that hit cruise control for a year and then go to another club. He, he knows this is a real shot at the title at Parramatta and he is going to give his all uh, for the Blonde Gold this year. But yeah, so yeah, just, I mean, when you score 36 points in the fashion that the Eels did, there, there is so much you could talk about. Uh, I thought Ryan Madison at lock forward was really encouraging. Um, he, he really hit the groove there, sort of looked uh, a lot like the effort that we saw against the Panthers in the elimination final last year, which was very positive. Uh, in terms of the, uh, and I suppose, once again, you're sort of talking in circles to a degree here because so much of the, the top 17 in this team, not the entire 17, but so much of it is set in stone and we know how good they are and, and how good they can potentially be, uh, whether it's guys like Penasini or the, you know, in the younger sort of frame. But outside of that 17, uh, who do we think improved their stock uh, given the minutes they were given against Penrith? Um, I think that uh, someone like Mitch Rain didn't do himself any harm in the uh, in the Reggie's trial. Mm-hmm. Look, he looked very busy from uh, dummy half. Made a couple of strong um, dashes out of the dummy half spot. Backed up uh, breaks uh, quite well. Uh, Hayes Perham was a standout. Now he was a standout playing in the halves. Yeah, after being very good at fullback against the Dragons the week before. Yeah, so it was it was interesting that um, he's had two really good trials and he has that utility value. So maybe it might be a case of he puts his name a little bit more in lights for BA in terms of if we lose a player here or there, what an op- what some of his options might be, but yeah, he was he was simply uh, as I said outstanding in that reserve grade trial. And I might remind people that the Eels were up twelve nil at half time, and then there were a few changes that were made in the early part of the second half, and then uh, basically everyone was off the field by midway through the second half. They ended up in a narrow loss in that game, but... Um, That's an important point, though, is that we mentioned at the start of this preview, sorry, review, uh, of the action out of Penrith, is that the Panthers are often the litmus test, the, the sort of measuring stick in the cup and in the flag, and this time last year, was it 40 nil, uh, Something in that vicinity? In the New South Wales Cup trial? We, we've got, you know, played off the park, and it was a young and inexperienced team that eventually became a very good team, for the Parramatta Reels and, and end up being second on the ladder uh, behind the Penrith Panthers ahead of what would have been the rematch before COVID took it away. So like the NRL team, it feels like the, the Cup might be better positioned to get out of the blocks hard and fast this year, which is very encouraging. Yeah. Um, I thought uh, Kai Rodwell was uh, very solid. The, the, the player that probably caught my eye in terms of his um, performance that was maybe a, above what I was expecting was Josh Tuapalutu. Mm. Now, I, I want to 
maybe I should restate what I'm saying with that because Josh has been one of those players who has missed out on a lot of footy in recent times with the the loss of uh, lower grade football and he's a contemporary of all of the the young players that are coming through our system like Jake and Sean Russell and uh, Will Penasini and uh, Samuel Luizio. So all of those players, he, he was part of their Harold Matz and SG Ball team coming through playing fullback. And uh, Forty, you well remember the role that Josh was playing at fullback yep. in that lost grand final against yeah, Manly that, and that, Harold Matz. That entire season, he was so far and above the best player in that entire competition up until that horrific leg break that he had going up and taking a, a bomb defusal. Uh, and, and you know, since then, the, the timing couldn't have been worse for him because he comes back from a bad injury. Then, you know, the sort of the pathways, you know, just go to shit because of COVID. Uh, he, he's been sort of to and fro with just no clear pathway to first grade, and, and it was really good. And I wasn't out there, unfortunately, but to hear you relate to me that he sort of has arrived. Like, that, that was a game that put him back on the map. You know, playing senior football up against one of the best outfits in the competition in the Penrith Panthers, and he played really good football in his preferred position of fullback. And once again, that comes back, the, the chain of events that leads to him being able to play fullback instead of wing. You know, who, who knows what the consequences could now be, but because we have Hayes Perham the halves, because Jake Arthur is in first grade, so all of a sudden Josh Tupelo gets to play fullback because Sean Russell is in uh, in the NRL team at wing because Hayes Nuts got hurt. All these different pieces, you know, came together in this crazy confluence to put Josh there and he, he produced. So really, really good to see Josh uh, back to his best there. And now I'm really excited to see what he can do in the proper season. Yeah, well, I, I was half expecting because he's, uh, by age, he's still eligible to play flag. Mm-hmm. And, and I was fully expecting that he was going to be playing flag uh, in in the trial, but then when they were training and he was back at fullback, I thought, okay, well, they, they're going to give him a run as fullback with uh, Perham playing in the halves. And now, obviously, his positioning within the uh, New South Wales Cup team is completely dependent on what happens with those other players that you mentioned. So does Perham continue in the – well, does Jake Arthur continue as being part of the first-grade first team? If not, he comes back to the halves. Uh, Perham probably moves back to fullback. And then it's whether they uh, push then Josh onto the wing in in place of they had a player by the name of Max Lehman, who was playing on the wing um, in the reserve grade trial against Penrith. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and to that end as well, that determines what happens with... Um, uh, uh, Matt Komalafi, who was sitting on the bench for the New South Wales Cup team rather than playing in the uh, flag team. And he came on and played wing in the second half of the trial against Penrith. And uh, so there's all these permutations, as you say, but these younger players that haven't had too much football, the the level of football that will be a step up for them is that New South Wales Cup level because they weren't getting as much footy last year. Uh, mostly they were playing in the flag um, 
So, if at all. So, I think if they are able to be playing at New South Wales Cup level, that will be quite an achievement for them this year. I mean, that's my belief anyway, yep. because... No, that's fair. Uh, you know, they've, they've, they've had the benefit of the pre-season and... and um, for them, that's it's actually been their second preseason, but they're very young, and as I said, with so little football the last couple of years, they can play New South Wales Cup. They'll be doing extremely well. And then going down a grade lower, uh, we have a, a new look Jersey flag team. Obviously, we mentioned some of the boys that are Jersey flag eligible playing up, uh, but lots of new faces, mate. And again, Penrith. Uh, the measuring stick in this competition, always a, a very, very strong outfit. We ended up falling just short of them, right? But we put up a, pr- a pretty good fight. Well, I don't think the scoreline reflected the flow of the match. Mm-hmm. So the final score was was 18 to 4. It, it, it blew out a little bit in the, um, in the second half. It was... Um, from memory, the, the score was something around uh, 10-4 halftime and um, really I, I think the, the Eels are a little bit unlucky um, some of that bad luck of course was their own handling errors and mistakes but they didn't have a, a hell of a lot that went their way in the in, in some of the calls in fact um, I, I don't I shouldn't really get too much into it because the, the refs <laughs> at this level are learning but yeah exactly there was some, there were some tries awarded that um, yeah, I, I found it difficult to see how the ball was, how they, how the players got the ball down. In fact, with one of them, I'm absolutely certain that the Penrith player didn't get the ball down because we had quite a good view of it from where we were. But the, uh, in that instance, the touch judge uh, tipped to the referee that the ball was grounded when the referee had no, had no vision of it. And of course, there's no video replay there, so there's nothing that can be done with that. Yeah. However, however, that aside. Um, let's. I'll go on the first half where the all the first starters were were pretty much in uh, in play for both teams. A ten four scoreline was probably fair. Maybe maybe ten all or four all might have been fairer, but there were some players that impressed. So uh, there was the fullback uh, Fenning, who I believe uh, was recruited from the Roosters. Mm-hmm. Yes, correct, and that's uh, a player that Ham mentioned to us from the ring race trial last week that uh, stood out. So obviously going back to back there, some eye-catching performances. Yep. The centre, uh, Blackburn, who I believe we, we took from, from Penrith. Yes. Yep. So he looks a real prospect. Um, really looking forward to seeing how he progresses this year. And also thought that uh, Louis, who we got from St. George, um, was quite busy at 5'8", looked, uh, did some did some clever things and um, and Ethan Sanders has been playing in SG ball and I thought he actually had his best game of the year going up to the flag um, at halfback. So, um, yeah, a bit to like at that level and I think we'll see some better performances from the flag this year than we did up to the time where the flag was called off last year where we were really struggling to get any sort of consistency in any any success out on the field and at, at that level. Yeah. And this will be a team, that, <clears throat> sorry, 
this will be a team that will obviously be boosted by the SG Ball talent when they finish up their program. Um, you already mentioned likes of Ethan Sanders. I see in your live updates you had Alphamil or Steven in there as well. That's another ball player who, <clears throat> with the week off, was able to play the flag trial, uh, which is very encouraging. But yeah, looking through a lot of a lot of new faces. You got the uh, Natuli Smith twins or brothers uh, in the Ford pack. I, I barely recognise the Ford pack actually. Uh, so really keen, this is like much like the NRLW, right? This is a ostensibly a brand new team. Got a chance to figure them out and, and learn with them as the season goes on. And yeah, early signs are encouraging. They had two losses in their tre- their preseason hitouts, but neither of them were bad. The you know, structurally, they were, were good, um, competitive, and, and we know that the Penrith Panthers are going to be a good team in this grade. So no harm, no foul there. And I think that is a wrap on the preseason, the final week of the preseason, uh, because the junior reps had the week off, they had the bye, um, hence why we had so many ball players in this flag game. And, yeah, I, I don't think I'm missing anything, mate. There's no real NRL news to speak of. Eels haven't made any signings. NRLW obviously got the win. Um, but they haven't had any uh, judiciary or injury news come out. They're obviously, we're monitoring uh, Therese Aiton's cheekbone and the potential for a fracture there. Is there anything you want to uh, touch on before we start wrapping things up, mate? Mate, no, because I think, you, as you mentioned, the, the news is light. Now, obviously, that means the news is light with regard to uh, injuries. And apart from the uh, nasty knock that Aiton took in the NRLW, the... Uh, NRL boys seem to have come through uh, reasonably clean in, with a reasonably clean bill of health. There mm-hmm. looked like there's a bit of a knock to Madison, but I haven't heard anything more there, so I don't, I don't. Think and with that, with the that extra end. week to recuperate, you'd think you'd be okay. Uh, yes. So definitely, that, that's something we'll you know follow up on if there is anything to it. But uh, likely some soft tissue injury, but to no serious extent. One thing I did want to shout out before we do close up. A uh, really cool stat on Twitter that came out of the NRLW. The fact that the Parramatta Eels and Newcastle Knights clash in the NRLW recorded the same free-to-air metro rating as the Titans and Seagulls in the NRL from round 15 last year, uh, which is that, – that may end up being one of the lower-rating games for the NRL, but the fact that the NRLW is now in that ballpark, that, that is phenomenal for the game and, and shows that there is some real growth to be had for this product and for these women. Yeah, absolutely, and it – and it goes towards the decision that uh, the Eels made that they would go to market for separate sponsorships for the NRLW, and they, and they had they sold out. Yeah, yeah, and and then it also validates the decision of the sponsors to link yeah. with the Eels NRLW yeah. team. So being, um, being one of those foundation sponsors is going to reflect really well for them in terms of brand value. So uh, really, really cool stuff. And I mean. I don't, I don't know if it comes across, but Sixties and I are so pumped up for what's happening in the Tasha Gale and the NRLW for the Parramatta Eels and for the code itself. Uh, like you've said, mate, this is a chance for Rugby League to assert itself as the preeminent female code amongst world sports. Like they, they have a product that could be the best in the world. Yeah, I, look, I firmly believe that. It's, uh, it, it's, it's a game that... I think it relates well to both genders in, yep. in terms of as a, as a spectator sport. Yeah, I mean, and, the the we saw it in round one of the NRW. They the women bring the physicality, they bring the skills. Uh, the their brand of football across all those teams is very pleasant to watch. You know, it, it is it is good TV. It is good just spectatorship if you're in the game itself. 
So, yeah, really, really great stuff for the NRLW. And once again, the NRL doesn't always do things right, but what they've done with this uh, uh, with this competition and, and the pathways has been, you know, thumbs up, no doubt. Yeah, they, it's, it really is a case of um, all future growth now has to be the, all the correct decisions made. It's, it's very tempting, and, and people feel this, that it, the competition needs to expand to be on six teams. And I think it's important that they make sure that they've got not just the playing talent, but they've got the infrastructure there to be able to support it, uh, a growth of another two teams, because mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably going to be the next step. And, and logically, COVID, you know, COVID willing to stay away, um, it might mean that the uh, New Zealand team comes back in, although the the uh, the cost blowout of with the travel that's involved with that, I'm not sure how that would how that would factor into it because it was a, it was very different when it was a competition that only lasted for a few weeks in the final series um, in previous incarnations of the NRLW um, in an expanded competition with travel and. Uh, because we'd be looking at, if they jump by two teams, you'd be looking at seven rounds and then final series. So you start to start to get into some serious numbers. Um, we just need to make sure that we get it right. Uh, we want the product to be strong. It's strong now. Um, I don't think it's competitor in Australia, which is the AFLW, has the same playing depth strength because they've spread out over what is it 16 teams or whatever it is that compete in the aflw yeah now i i think that the and and they have a lot of players on the field at the one time too with that, exactly with that and- so um i think we've got we've got the formula right at the moment um expansion is needed um better pay for the nrlw players is needed Exactly, but it also has to, but it also has to come about in the right way, and uh, I think Parramatta is showing the way with being self-sustaining and and getting all the sponsorships which have covered for the cost of running the team this year. Um, let's let's just get it to that next level, and I'm glad that you mentioned those ratings because once you start talking, maybe separate media deals, then you start talking about the income for the code to grow. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah, I mean that that term you use, self-sustaining, is absolutely what the NRLW needs to be about, um, and that's why the, the building of this brand so far has been so well done. Uh, it is so hard to be critical of almost any step taken right now because what they're doing is building towards a, a far more certain future than rapid expansion, uh, where you can so easily fall on your face and, and put out a weaker product that no one wants to invest in. Whereas yeah. it, it is compelling viewing right now. The NRLW is genuine quality yeah yeah so uh long may it continue to be that way and um a uh, good start for the uh for yeah, the Eels. one and oh we may never know defeat in the nrlw ladies and gentlemen <laughs> uh, no hyperbole there whatsoever you know brisbane broncos who cares about them uh but yeah very very fun weekend obviously great trial results for the eels in the nrl and some solid building blocks done in the cup and flag and for the nrlw uh making history with that field goal making history with that first up win and it puts them in the box seat now, taking on the St. George Laura Dragons, which we're going to touch on in the next episode of the tip sheet. But for now, that's going to be myself and 60s all done. As always, thanks for stopping by and giving us a listen. It means a lot. 
Feel free to join the conversation on TCT. There's some post-game grades up for the NRLW. Uh, you can have a look at 60s updates. Who did a pretty tremendous job, honestly, considering it was pouring rain and you're on your phone, mate, and I wasn't out there to lend you the, the laptop support. You did a pretty good job um, on your sort of uh, maiden. You've done score updates before. That might be your maiden uh, proper live updates. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know that it, it qualified for a full live update. <laughs> it was um, pretty pretty good, though. I enjoyed reading the updates there and, and getting a, a bit of a grip on the game there. So well done. But, yeah, join in the conversation there as always. Catch us on our socials on Twitter and Instagram. And, yeah, otherwise we'll catch you in the next episode of The Tip Sheet. Yeah, thanks for joining us, people. See you next time. See ya.